There's all sorts of things happening in here this morning, isn't there? I was just watching something, and the Lord seemed to say you need to unfold what you just watched. The reason this uh, is here is our series through September, October, November is our identity in Christ. If we get that, we've got it, yeah? So already we've had, I'm redeemed, I'm chosen, and um, I'm adopted, and there's all the I am's who we are along here. And Cecile had this creative inspiration that God has given us a gift, redemption. We don't always know it's there till we then get saved. And um, but here's the gift that just keeps on giving. So what came out of the redeemed box is glorification, justification, forgiveness, during generation, salvation, sanctification, restoration, and all these little boxes keep undoing. But there's this cage that the little figures were all sitting in. <laughs> but they came out because it says, I am free, then they're into eternal life and I'm saved. And so that people asked if that could remain there. And it's being added to each week as we get a different title up so you can come and be reminded and you can sit there and be reminded if you're doubting that you are wanted, you are set apart, you are a child of God, you are highly valued. And what happened just now, and this is what I really felt the Lord was saying through that little action, he came forward and he has taken the people on a journey. Watch him grow. And what God's going to do with Because he was really concerned about those people being in the cage. And he was going to shut the door with the ones who were in there. And Cecile said, no, this, they need to sort of know Jesus and come out. Well, he's decided not only do they need to come out of the cage, but they need to move on into their destiny. That's why I believe the Lord has said by that little action. And do you know, last week, for those that weren't here, I was sitting on that word to say, um, I felt the Lord wanted to say, about the Lord um, hearing every cry that we make, basically. And little Ruby hadn't done a thing, all service, baby Ruby. And suddenly she went, because I'm saying to the Lord, should I release this word about you hear every cry? And I, I jokingly said, but not jokingly, out of the lips of babes, out of the lips of children. So we've had Ruby led the prophetic last week, and we've had do a prophetic symbolism. He's come and he's taken the people over into the promised land. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Anything could happen in this church. We haven't got a clue, basically. But what we've said is, Lord, have your way. That's our prayer. And we're trying to follow him. And we're trying to pick up the wind of the Spirit, you know. Um, and this morning, my title, well, it said one word, priests. But the actual I am in front of that, did you know? If I said to you, priests... Or a priest, what image does that conjure up in your mind? If I say priest, what do you see? So Paula has just described what most of us probably think when you say priest, wearing the robes, wearing the collar, even prayer beads, and doing all their stuff. Well, by the end of this, hopefully, you'll accept that if I put a mirror in front of you, Paula, you're a priest. You're a priest. We're all priests. Not you've got to go and get your robes or anything, but we're all priests. So hopefully this journey the Holy Spirit's going to take us on, we'll, we'll bed that in, that yes, they're in churches, there are people dressed in, in the robes and things, but what the Word says is what we're going to go by here. And if we get hold of this today, that moves us on a, 
another part of our journey of who we really are. And to help us on that journey, we're going to dive straight into the Word of God in 1 Peter, the letter of 1 Peter chapter 2. It's funny, you said read 1 Peter. So we will. 1 Peter chapter 2, if that's uh, available, uh, verses 4 to 10. You can read it with me. I'm going to read it out. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Hang on. Is that number four? Have you got the verses before? Um, If you go back to that one. Just before that, um, that just says at verse four, coming to him as a living stone, rejected by men and chosen by God and precious. And verse five says, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood yeah so there it is in there to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ therefore it is also contained in the scripture behold I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone elect precious and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame therefore to you who believe he is precious but to those who are disobedient the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone and then oh it is there and, uh, and that's verse uh, 8 now. Uh, we go on, and, and the stone of stumbling and a rock of offence. They stumble, being disobedient to the word to which they also were appointed. Now get hold of this. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. And verse 10 who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Last week, Maxine spoke about adopted, who were once not a people, but are now the people of God. You, when you said, Jesus, come into my life, have just been adopted into God's family. And if anyone does gardening, the, uh, Romans 11.23 talks about being grafted in. You've got the main rootstock. You've got Israel, you've got the Jews, you've got what God established. But by his great mercy and grace, he is taking us each time we say yes. And he puts that graft in and he binds it tight. And that new graft starts to come at one. And the Bible talks about, in Ephesians, about one, Jew and Gentile. Everything's being brought together. But right here, here we have it. We've been chosen. We're a chosen generation a royal priesthood and a holy nation. So here's this word, and Paul is uh, Peter is speaking to um, uh, converts to, to, to Christian faith who are in the Asia Minor area. Uh, there are Jews who've become believers in God in Messiah, uh, and there are Gentiles, people like us. And uh, so they're being persecuted. They're being ostracized because they can't change, you know. They don't like it when a Jew becomes a believer in Jesus. At the minute, there's hostility. And, he, and, and there was persecution from the Romans, from Nero. And uh, they were being blamed for having set fire uh, to, to Rome. And he decided to blame the Christians for it because he actually did it, from what I've read in history, because he wanted to do some development on the land. And the Christians are being murdered and persecuted But here is Peter's letters uh, encouraging young Christians, new converts, about who they are, who we are in God. Now, if you think that's powerful enough, go to Revelation chapter 1, which should come up. So you've got Peter who was with Jesus, 
and knew him very well. Now you've got John who's written the book of Revelation under the guidance of the Holy Spirit and what was being revealed to him. And now he's actually starting to set out what God is saying to the seven churches which are in Asia. He says, Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests. To his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Right, that then is not going to come up on the screen, but there's um, Revelation 5, if you've got your Bibles open, is even more awesome. They're in, they're, he's seeing everything in the throne room of heaven, and, and Jesus the Lamb has now taken the scroll that no one could open. There's seven seals on it, and, and around them they're saying, Worthy is the Lamb, the elders. And if you go to verse uh, 8 of chapter 5, it says, Now when he had taken the scroll, the Lamb, Jesus, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints, if you want to know where your prayers are. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. You have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Listen, you have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. So in Scripture you've got, we are priests. Why? How can we be priests? Where's this all come from? So this is the journey I'll try and quickly take you on to make sense of it, and it won't take long, and, uh, and what that means for us now as people on this earth. Let's go right back on a timeline to the Garden of Eden. God creates Adam and Eve. God's there. Adam's here. Eve's here. Complete fellowship. Access. New sin beautiful relationship, everything that God intended and what we're going to get back, but that's happening right here. And we know sin came in, and they get cast out of the garden. They don't have that access to God. But you know something must be happening, because Adam knows God, so he must be talking to God, and he must still be believing in God, and if you like, going to God in some way in prayer or, or whatever he's doing, because his two sons bring an offering. I know one wasn't accepted, but one was but they're doing something towards God and then you get up here and there's a big flood and when Noah comes out of the ark what does he do first thing builds an altar to put a sacrifice on to God there's no priests here have you noticed no priests this is just Adam and the people and then you've got Noah who's just a, 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 a if you like a husband a father but he loves God so he's done an offering to God and then if you go along through the Old Testament, you see the same thing. And then you get to Abraham. Still no priests mentioned. But Abraham is called by God to come out of where he lives, a pagan nation, a pagan society. And he comes out and God says, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. So he's not a Jew. He's just an ordinary man, a Gentile if you like. And he has this encounter with God. Or with with uh, this amazing 
character called Melchizedek. But uh, there's another story as well. There's Isaac and there's Job, who still there are new priests. And they are doing things unto God, but there's new priests. I mean, priest's job, as you will hear later on, is, is that link between the go-between between God and man, isn't it? Doing prayers, doing sacrifices, teaching the word. They're the go-to person. They're the one. But God set up the priesthood for the Jews. We'll hear about that in a minute. But what you've got is you've got this... Normally the heads of households, individuals, right back there, that's the, the, the relationship with God and, uh, and that interaction with God and that connecting with God. But we know that all got interrupted by the sin. And then we know there were different rules and regulations started to be put in place. And when you go into Genesis 14, verse 18, just before that, Abraham's nephew Lot has been captured and uh, Abraham, with some of his trained fighting men uh, join in to go and rescue nephew Lot and now what you've actually got in verse 9 is a battle going on between four kings against five and what you would have in these regions is is like you've got the king of England but everywhere would have in their dominions they'd have kings you know ruling over their people and there'd be a lot more kings about probably in them days than there are now but these kings have come together in battle. Abraham's gone in. He's brought um, nephew, uh, his nephew uh, out, lot out safely. But at verse 18, as he's moving along, suddenly that says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. And when you read about Melchizedek, lots of people think different things. They think it's the Lord himself, and others say, no, it's not. And from what I've read, the, the scripture says he has no beginning and end, no father and mother, but he's not given any genealogy, and I'm not going to dig into that because that's a huge subject. But Abraham is faced with this person, and he, he recognizes him as someone, obviously, who is uh, in, in a position with God. And, and Melchizedek says, and he blessed him, and said, Blessed be Abraham of God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abraham gave him a tithe of all. This is, this is suddenly Abraham given to God through this priest a tithe, a tenth that means, of the plunder and everything else, honouring God. Uh, so there's that first mention in the scripture here, he was the priest of the Most High God. But they're still not going to priests. There's not priests who are, who are leading them along on everything they've got to do. Until you get into uh, Moses and then you get into Exodus and Leviticus, where God begins to set up the priests. He begins to put things in place because... The people needed someone who's the mediator going between God and, uh, and man and that required sacrifices for their sins. I'm not going to go into all that. You can study that through as you go from Exodus into Leviticus. But in Leviticus chapter 5 verse 6, it talks in there where the Lord is saying that they, the people need to bring a trespass offering to the Lord for his sin, which he has committed, a female from the flock, a lamb for a kid of the goats as a sin offering. So the person is bringing this trespass offering, and that says, so the priest shall make atonement for him 
concerning his sin. So suddenly now, the children of God, Israel has been formed, the Jews, and God has put in place a system where they can atone for their sin, where they can be cleansed and received, if you like, back into God. It's not a perfect system because clearly man is, is involved in it and the priests themselves had to cleanse themselves and purify themselves and so many things they had to do. But so the priest shall make atonement for him concerning his sin. God has put that uh, person now who's got to mediate between the people and God. And if you look up the word priest in the Hebrew, it's Kohen or Kohen. And if you think of Leonard Cohen, the musician, that name Cohen links anyone with the name Cohen back to the ironic family, the priest, Levites, because it's a special name. A priest, especially a chief priest, is a minister, a personal attendant, an officer, specifically the high priest descended from Aaron. The Kohen was the Lord's personal attendant, one whose entire life revolved around Yahweh's service, both through ministering in the tabernacle or temple in later times, and in carrying the burden of the people of Israel. A Kohen ministers to the Lord as a priest. And that comes in Exodus 28, 1, you'll find where God calls Aaron into that uh, position. Notice that says then, the six appearances of the words, minister, serve, or service, in the references you'll find to the high priest in the book of Hebrews, chapter 8, uh, through to uh, uh, chapter 9, verse 10. So, we've got a priest in place that God has initiated to make atonement for the people. And there's a set way they have to do everything. So here we have established now, you can't go directly to God uh, for the forgiveness of sins. You go through the priesthood. And the mention here of the priest and the high priest is quite important because I said at the beginning, we're all now priests, and said, how can that be? Because God has set up priests. We still see priests in the Anglican church. We see priests in the Roman Catholic church. But the Protestant church, they have done away with that role of priests. They, you'll see a minister, pastor, elder, deacons, all people who are ministering unto God are classed in the, in, as a priest. Not that you have to go to a priest like the children of Israel and take your lamb to get atonement for your sin. We can go directly to God. How can we go directly to God? Why can we go directly to God? Because of Jesus. Because these children of Israel were having to bring various animals without blemish to sacrifice as the blood sacrifice. But when Jesus came as the Son of God, as the Lamb of God, pure, spotless, unblemished, and went to the cross, he was the ultimate sacrifice once and for all. There's no more sacrifice. Jesus has done it. And when you go into Hebrews, when you go into Hebrews about the great high priest, which is our Lord Jesus, and then you begin to realize now why I can say at the beginning that we're all priests <laughs> and we're not these where God had to select a family and particular people as priests because Jesus is now the high priest who is in heaven with the sacrifice that is already atoned for all sin 
before God, who he's accepted that all the time. He is the high priest. And then he can then say through Peter's letter to us, we're all priests, we're all priesthood, we're grafted in if you're a child of God. And that means then that we are ministering the kingdom of God individually as his people on earth. And it says in uh, Hebrews chapter 4 verse uh, chapter 4 verse 16 seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens Jesus the son of God let us hold fast our confession for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And then qualifications for that high priest. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men in things pertaining to God, that he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can have compassion on those who are ignorant and going astray, since he himself is also subject to weakness. Because of this he is required, as for the people... Sue also for himself to offer sacrifices for sins. And no man takes this honour to himself, but he who is called by God, just as Aaron was. And verse 5 then says, So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was he who said to him, God, you are my son, today I have begotten you. As he also says in another place, You are a priest forever, according in the order to the order of Melchizedek. The reason I just took us briefly to Melchizedek in, uh, in Genesis 14 is because here the writer to the Hebrews in that letter and that scripture from uh, verse 6 is linked to Psalm 110 verse 4 where David has prophesied and these very words now are being used again in Hebrews. But here it is. You're a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. You notice he doesn't say you're a priest forever according to the order of Aaron, the priests. He takes it right back to Melchizedek. And what you get at the bottom is that the high priest, the writer presents Jesus as better than Aaron and shows him to completely fulfill the office of the high priest. He must be a man with the same nature as those he represents thus having a capacity for full fellow feeling with them. He is a public, his is a public office to which he is appointed as a representative of men to God. He offers both thanksgiving and propitiatory sacrifices. His intercession is full of compassion since he himself is also subject to weakness. Therefore, he must offer sacrifices for himself as well as for the people. Christ had no need to purify himself by sacrifices, as I said. He's already been the ultimate sacrifice. He was divinely chosen and appointed, just like priests were. He perfectly fulfills everything that God requires of a priest and a high priest. And if you get time to read into Hebrews, you will find that it's quite amazing, especially in 4 onwards, about the king of righteousness and the new priesthood. And the fact that Christ was born of the tribe of Judah, not of Levi, emphasizes the inauguration of a new priestly order. The Greek word here for another in verse 15 of chapter 7, and, is, and it talks about um, 
if I go from 13 in chapter 7, for he whom these things are spoken belongs to another tribe from which no man has officiated at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord arose from Judah, of which tribe Moses spoke nothing concerning priesthood. And it is yet far more evident if in the likeness of Melchizedek there arises another priest who has come not according to the law of a fleshly commandment but according to the power of an endless life. For he testifies, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So God has brought Jesus into position but he is not of the old order of priesthood. He has come completely separate from that through the line the line of Judah and uh, so the new this is new this is the new that has now been put in place the priesthood of Christ supersedes the Levitical priesthood so when people keep saying you need to go back to the Old Testament and what the Levites were doing and the priests were doing no you come to Hebrews because you've got a great high priest who's done everything for you He's already done it. You can just go to God. It says at verse 4, we can boldly approach the throne of grace through Jesus. We can come to Jesus. 1 John 1, 1.9 says that if we confess our sins, he is just and faithful to forgive us our sins. We don't have to bring a lamb. We don't have to go through certain laws and rituals. We just come to the one who has redeemed us, who has paid the price, who has set us free, and we can come to him because we've been chosen, we've been called, we belong to God, we're children of God, we've been set apart, we're wanted, we're highly valued, we're blessed, we're forgiven, and I could go across the whole lot of these lists. That's who we are, and right in the middle of that now, is you and I are a priest. That Because it says we're a priest. And Jesus said, uh, God said, actually over Israel at one point, he said in Exodus 19 verse 5, sometimes God will refer to a whole nation as priests. And he said to Israel, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel. It talked in the scriptures about being kings and priests. And Jesus is the king, is king. And we are children of the king, but it says he's, he's, we're kings and priests. We're in places of dominion and authority. And um, if we can just, I think, get hold of that, that says we, through his glorious dominion, have been designated kings and priests to God, also a present calling. Thus, these dual officers give perspective on our authority and duty and how we most effectively may advance the kingdom. First, we are said to be kings in the sense that under the king of kings, we are the new breed, the reborn, to whom God has delegated authority to extend and administrate the powers of his rule. And the reason you've got these titles is because out here in society... The devil has been holding sway and the kingdom of darkness has been advancing with his minions because of his rulers in high places. But we need to get hold of the fact of who we are because we are kings and priests of the Most High God and we have the authority to rule and reign and to go to God on behalf of other people and this nation and people who are desperate for help. If you've been praying for a lost friend, loved one, uh, colleague, if you've been just interceding for the nation, if you've been talking to God, if you've been given a sacrifice of praise, if you've been bringing your offerings, you are doing what priests did. So you're a priest. Peter made it clear, that's who we are. 
I'm just going to round that off. I'm sorry if this has been a bit uh, jumbled because it, <laughs> I couldn't write it in a systematic, ordered way. The Lord just said, read and read and read and trust me. So if this is the first day that I've stepped out of the boot and having to just hear him trying to download things, <laughs> then, then this is the first time I've stepped into a new pair of shoes. So what I want to say in this church is anyone who gets asked to host, to preach, or to lead worship, you might make mistakes, you might stumble, you might mumble, you might sing out of tune, you might lose your way, you might think, what on earth am I talking about? But I tell you what, everyone in this church is going to be cheering you on because when David was anointed king at 17, he didn't go to the throne, he went back to the sheepfold. Because what God was then going to do is get the king out of David. And he developed him. When Joseph had his dreams of grandeur, did he go straight to the Egypt and Pharaoh and said, I can sort your problems out? No. He went into servitude. He became a slave. He went into prison. Then he went to the place that God had been preparing him for. And I just sense there's a lot of people here where destiny is waiting to unfold. And God wants to find a place where he can let it out and take you to your destiny. And I might just be the sacrifice that has started it. Now there's four, I'm going to conclude this, uh, whatever I've done. Um, how do we live as priests? Number one, we must live holy lives. That means we're set apart. We can't be like the world. We can't be like the rest of the people. We can't be doing the things we perhaps used to do. We need to be set apart, but we need to be anointed by God. You need the Holy Spirit. And that's by loving and obeying Jesus. We find ourselves living and loving differently than those who reject him. These actions tell a story to others and testify to God's power in us. They're watching our lives. But are we living like separate ones who are holy and a bit different? Number two, we intercede for others. Are you praying for people? You don't have to have great big powerful prayers. If you're just saying, Lord, please touch so-and-so, or please, Lord, would you make yourself known to them, or could you solve this problem for them? You are interceding for others. You're a priest. For our family, our friends, our co-workers, our neighbours, our community and the world, we make prayer a priority and prayer and pray, not only for our own needs, but also for the needs of others. And this is probably why Paul urges us to pray without ceasing in 1 Thessalonians 5. I'm praying and chuntering all the time when I'm driving, when I'm walking, when I'm seeing situations. I'm just talking with God as if he's sitting there with me. That's how I've developed besides the other prayers that we do. Third, just one more after this. We remember that we represent Jesus Christ to others and seek opportunities to share the gospel's truth. That's what the priests were doing. To share it, we must know it. You can't share what you don't know. So I keep urging, we keep urging, read the Word of God, study the Word of God. Get whatever things you need to, but study the Word of God, get to know the Word of God, ask the Holy Spirit to help you uh, know the Word of God. So part of the life of every believer is to read God's Word, receive sound teaching and fellowship with mature believers so we might grow in understanding and practice of a life lived for Christ, empowered by Christ. And fourth and finally, we, ident we find our identity in Christ. Following Jesus isn't just about what we do. It's about who we are. And if we understand that we're chosen and we're children of God, that should center our focus. We belong. We're adopted. Our lives have meaning and purpose. And none of us lives to ourselves alone. 
we are part of something greater, a royal priesthood who are on this earth to administer for God the things of God. So I'm going to end it there. If that's helped somewhere in all that, that you are a priest. Go to 1 Peter 2 and read that again. He says we're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And I said earlier that I pray for the sick and I wanted to leave it to here because if what I've just said is true, and it is, then we can now intercede on behalf of those that are suffering as priests. And we know we've got direct access to the throne of God through Jesus and he hears our prayers. And our prayers are in accordance with his will because he said, I'm the God that healeth. And by my stripes you are healed. So we know we're praying in accordance with his will. We don't have to seek him to see if we should pray for the sick. He's already told us in his word what we're supposed to do, to lay hands on the sick. So Lord, in accordance with your word and as priests at one church, each one of us being a priest who has received you as Lord and Saviour, we come before you, the great high priest, Lord, who has made the way. And when that veil tore in two, was ripped from top to bottom, that was it. Access then was not just by a high priest into the Holy of Holies, it was open for all to approach God. Lord, you just made the way because you then became the high priest. And Lord, the temple was destroyed in 70 AD, as you said it would be. So there's no temple anymore. And Lord, the whole thing was changing. Lord, and we just get a sense in this day and age that everything is changing. And Lord, would you help us grasp who we are right now as we start to bring those who are suffering before you. Because we are priests who have been anointed with the power of the Holy Spirit. We have been given authority over all the power of the enemy. Come before you, Father God, as your priests. And we say, Lord, Lord, we say, by your stripes, you have healed them. And we're going to receive that in faith right now. And we take hold of that. We take hold of that healing right now, Father God. We take hold of that healing. And Lord, we release it in faith now into their bodies in Jesus' name. We speak to this virus that is not from you, Lord. And we say, you have to go in the name of Jesus because we have dominion here. We are kings and priests. And we're operating in that dominion right now as kings and priests. And we say, sickness, you have to flee in the name of Jesus. Sickness, you have to leave their bodies in the name of Jesus. And I speak recovery. I speak healing. I speak protection against this sickness and especially against COVID in the name of Jesus and that this COVID Lord will be banished from this land in the name of Jesus.